You are now listening to the Bayshore Community Church Podcast. Our mission is to connect to God, connect to people, and to serve the community. Thank you for joining us today and wherever you are listening. We hope that this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Our prayer is that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. Hey, I want to give a big shout out to Corey for singing that song. I asked him to sing El Shaddai for the uh, series. Would you give Corey a big hand? Thank you so much for doing that. That's not an easy song to sing, and he nailed it. He did so good. By the way, yesterday was Corey's birthday. If you see him, if you just slip him a 50 or something, he'd really appreciate that. So uh, we love Corey Phoebus here and his family, Heather and everybody. So love those guys. I was enjoying worship today. I was watching Stephen Kelly play the drums. I, you know, sometimes you get caught up in certain things, and uh, Stephen Kelly is such a good drummer. I just, just was thanking the Lord, so how good a job he does. So uh, thank you, Stephen. And the whole band, they're just amazing. So, so glad you're here. We're finishing up our series today on generosity. We've been talking about generosity uh, for a couple reasons. One is to thank you guys for your amazing generosity in 2023, and then also to challenge people that are new to the faith and you're beginning to learn how to give and be a part of that part of your worship, giving your offerings to the Lord financially. And uh, there's something very unique about financial giving. We can give our time, we can give, you know, a lot of things, uh, but giving your finances is very unique. And it's a, a real step of faith for a lot of people. So we've been talking about that a little bit. Today we're going to talk about God's provision. We're going to look at a great story in the Old Testament that I always share at New, Next Steps. When we have Next Steps, I always share this story because I love it. It's a great story that's filled with great principles in the Old Testament about the importance of giving. And so here's what uh, the story is. Actually, I'm going to begin reading in uh, chapter 16 of 1 Kings and 29 through 33. Then we're going to go into chapter 17 to read our real text today. But we need a little background uh, uh, for the story, and that's found in 1 Kings 16, 29 through 23. 33. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, son of Omri, became king of Israel, and he regained in Samaria, uh, and he reigned in Samaria over uh, Israel for 22 years. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nabat, but he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and began to serve Baal and worship him. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he built in Samaria. Ahab also made an Asherah pole and did more to arouse the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than did all the kings of Israel before him. Then chapter 17, beginning in verse 1. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives whom I serve, there will neither be dew nor rain in the next few years except by my word. The word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward and hide at the Kareth ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord told him. He went to Kareth ravine east of the Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening and he drank from the brook. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, 
Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I've directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may drink? As she was going to the get, get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jar. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have, have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jar of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. So it's a great, great story, obviously about provision, but a little background is helpful to make the story interesting. Uh, there's a new king in Israel. Remember, there's two sections of the land of Israel, southern kingdom, northern kingdom. There's a new king in Israel. His name is Ahab. This is about 800 years before Christ was born. So in Israel, there's this new king named Ahab. His father was Omri, pretty good king, uh, not very moral, but uh, he was a very administratively successful king. But when Ahab became king, he married Jezebel, who was from Sidon. Sidon is where modern-day Lebanon, Lebanon is today. Now, in Sidon, they did not worship Yahweh. They worshiped many gods, but they worshiped primarily Baal, uh, the, the god of fertility and the god of rain. Now, they found some, uh, some little artifacts in the uh, archaeological world of Baal, and they show him with a sword in one hand and a bolt of lightning in the other hand. He was known as the storm god. So, in other words, he was responsible to make it rain. He was responsible to make it rain so the crops would flourish in that agricultural world that Elijah was living in. So when Elijah comes on the scene, he just kind of shows up. We don't know anything about him except he was from Tishbe, and we don't know anything about Tishbe. So Elijah just kind of shows up like a shooting star out of nowhere, and he confronts the king, and he says, it will not rain except at my word for the next three and a half years. Now, the book of James says that Elijah prayed fervently that it wouldn't rain. So this prophet comes to the strongest and most powerful man in the world, who has recently adopted a new religion called Baal that is responsible to make it rain in Israel. So you can see the significance when Elijah comes and says, it will not rain except in my word. What is Elijah saying? Elijah's saying that it's not Baal who makes it rain. It's not Baal who supplies crops for Israel. It's the Lord who takes care of Israel. So it's a story about God's provision and not looking to the wrong thing as your resource. It's possible for us to kind of go through life and look at our talents, to look at our money, to look at our, our business acuity, to look at our company, to look at the, the company we work for, 
as that which really supplies our needs. Those are only tools that God uses to supply our needs. So when you talk about money, it's important in life that you manage your money well, that you don't overspend, that you do the Dave Ramsey thing. We offer um, financial freedom courses here at Bayshore, that you're really good with your money. That's important that we do that. Uh, Karen, this week, we got a call from uh, the, the lawn people that treat our lawn every year. And Karen kind of manages that account. They called her and said, hey, uh, we're going to start treating your lawn again. It's going to be spring pretty soon. And, and our fee has gone up $25, $25. Now, my wife, being the shrewd businesswoman that she was, she said, that's not going to work. She says, how about you reduce that sum? And the lady was kind of fumbled a little bit. And she said, well, I can bring it down 8%. Karen said, that's great. That's wonderful. Uh, how about your manager? Can I talk to your manager? Manager came on. Manager said, I can reduce it 15%. For it was over with, they're going to be paying us this year <laughs> to take care of our lawn. You know, it's good to handle your money well. That's important. And nothing, you know, can, can take their place of that. But we need to understand, along with our work, along with our education, along with our diligence, along with our business, along with our investments, we have to always understand that behind all of that is the grace of God that provides for us. The book of Deuteronomy says, it's the power of the Lord that gives us grace to make wealth. So I know that ultimately it's the Lord that takes care of us. So when you look at this idea of Elijah saying to Ahab, it's not going to rain, he's saying it's not Baal, it's Yahweh. And sometimes in our modern world, we can become Baal worshipers. We can worship our job, we can worship our investments, we can worship our rental properties, and we can worship those things. But behind those things, God is ultimately our supplier. The book of Philippians says, and my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. Philippians chapter 4, and my God will meet all your needs according to his riches and glory. It's interesting that in that, that verse is quoted in the context of giving that the Philippians had given to Paul. So out of giving, as we give to the Lord, as we give to the Lord, the Lord shows up and is faithful to us to take care of us. So that's an important thing. We work. The Bible says if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. We work. We're diligent. We do our part. But that's not all there is to it. There is a God who takes care of us. And walking in the security of that is incredibly liberating. My dad uh, just retired from pastoring. He was 86 years old. And a couple of weeks ago, I went to his, uh, his, uh, his uh, not his graduation, but went to his, his retirement uh, party and got to speak at his church uh, and share a little bit. And my dad, uh, he was, uh, when he went in the ministry, uh, he, was a, uh, he, was a, he was a DuPonter. You know, he walked out of high school uh, uh, in late 50s, walked into DuPonts and had this great job. And he has a wonderful job, and uh, he worked there 15 years, and he was a, a plumber, a pipe fitter, and uh, worked overtime. We had boats, we had horses, we had a nice house, we had nice cars. We uh, had a really good life. And my dad was called in the ministry after he met the Lord. And he tells the story this way. He says, the Lord said to me, you got to come out 
you got to come out from DuPont's. He wanted to work at DuPont's and be a pastor, but that didn't work out for DuPont's or the Methodist church. He was a Methodist at that time. So he, had to, he said, the Lord called me out. And he had three kids at the time. I was one of them. And he was kind of thinking about how am I going to take care of my family now, now that I have reduced income. I have reduced income. I don't have any income now. I mean, it's basically I'm getting paid a stipend of what I made before. So my dad began to pastor in the, in the Methodist church, and then he became an independent, just planted an independent church in 1974, which was last uh, couple weeks ago was its 50th anniversary. 50 years ago, he started that church. And after a, a year or so, he was trying to make ends meet, and a woman came to him in her, his church and said that she had a, she had a, a house that uh, a relative had died, and she had this bungalow, this little rancher she wanted to sell. And my dad was thinking about, you know, how can I make it? And, you know, like in the story of Elijah, God uses ravens, ravens to take care of us, unexpected means to take care of us. And, uh, and so this woman said to my dad, do you want to buy this house? And my dad had a friend that was a banker and the banker came and looked at the house. He said, I don't know a lot about real estate, but I'd offer $16,000 for this house, three bedroom house. So the lady said yes, and then my dad said, where am I going to get $16,000? He started thinking about that. How's he going to do that? So there was a man, a wonderful businessman in, in my dad's church that lent my dad the $16,000, I think, interest-free for a year. My dad bought that rental, fixed it up, and then put a renter in there, and then he used the equity from that house to buy another house and used the equity from that house to buy another house. And he got all of these rentals. He had about seven or eight rentals. And today, my dad is supplied and taken care of because of the rental properties that the Lord put in his path. You see, the rental properties are not my, God, my dad's supply. God is the supplier. He just uses the rental properties. God was using the ravens to provide for Elijah at the brook Cherith. He was using the ravens. The ravens weren't taking care of him. By the way, ravens in the Bible are described as being very, uh, uh, very selfish, very uh, unreliable birds. In fact, they will abandon their young. Uh, ravens are known if, you know, if they're hungry, they'll abandon their nest and abandon their young to take care of themselves. They're not consistent and they're not reliable. There's a lot of interesting things about ravens in the Bible. But these ravens, because they were under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they came every day, morning and night and afternoon to take care of Elijah. And he was fed bread and meat. Now, I don't know what that was like. I don't know what kind of meat they brought him. I don't know what they brought him. But Elijah drank of the brook and Elijah ate of the bread and meat the ravens brought. And we don't know how long he was there, but the Lord took care of him there. The Lord took care of him there. It's important in the text, it says that God said to Elijah, I will take care of you there. You know, there's a place, you know, when you're in God's will, you're under his provision. When you're where you're supposed to be, God takes care of you. You know, I, I, I remember once we had a, I had a friend that he was a missionary in Europe and he was doing so good and so blessed and everything he touched just turned to gold and his, his churches were growing and he had plenty of support and he left Germany, just I think he got tired of being a missionary, him and his wife, and they came back and for 20 years he and his wife just struggled. It seems like, you know, sometimes 
God's provision is at a place where you're supposed to be, being in the place God wants you to be. And sometimes that's tricky. You just have to say to the Lord, Lord, I want to be where you want me to be. Now, I've been here for 43 years or so as the pastor here. And when I came here, you've heard the story many times, everybody left and I was a little too radical for everybody. And, um, and I made $150 a week and Karen and I gave $15 a week to the church. We tithed, we were givers and everybody left the church pretty much except Karen and she was thinking about leaving. So it was just like, <laughs> wasn't good. And I'll never forget, I'll never forget it. I was riding in Karen's little 1977 Blue Vega, Chevrolet Vega, the, 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 the worst car in car history. I was riding down Lowe's Crossroads Roads, not too far from here. I was riding down that road, and I was on the way to the hospital to see somebody. And I prayed on that road. I said, Lord, I want to be full-time in the ministry. I'm not afraid to work. I'm not afraid to, you know, put wallboard on. I'm not afraid to work, but I want to be focused on learning your word, and I want to be focused on pastoring people and reaching this community. And I said, Lord, I ask you to take care of me. Take care of Karen and I. I pray that I don't have to go work a secular job so I can stay in the church full time. I'll never forget praying that prayer. I know where I was on the road when I prayed that prayer. I'm here to tell you that after 43 years, I have never had to work a secular job. The Lord has always taken care of me. I've never missed a paycheck. I've never missed anything. God has taken care of me for over 43 years. When you're in the place you're supposed to be, God's provision flows in that place. You want to be where you're supposed to be. So if you're going to, you know, change jobs, God does that. He changes our job, changes our position, changes where we live. But make sure that you are following the Lord and what he wants you to do. Because God provides there. God provides there. Then after a while, the Bible says that Elijah, the, the brook started to dry up. And the Lord said to Elijah, I want you to go to Zarephath and Sidon, and I have spoken to a widow that's going to take care of you. Another unlikely source of provision. A raven, unlikely source. Now we got a widow. In those times, there was no life insurance. There was no self, uh, social security. There was nothing. If you became a widow, you were destitute. There was nothing for you. And you had to live on the pity of people. And this woman, this widow was there, and, and, and Elijah comes to Sidon, Zarephath Sidon. Now, why did he go to Sidon? Why, why did he go to Sidon? He, he could have gone to anywhere around Galilee. He went to Sidon because Sidon was the capital of Baalism. That's, was, that's where Jezebel was from. That's where Baal worship originated at Sidon, and God puts him right in the middle of Sidon in Baal's headquarters, and God provides for him right in the middle of that Canaanite God who was worshipped with horrendous things and all these sacrifices and temple prostitution, crazy stuff the Baal worshipers did. But God was showing, I'm going to provide for you, Elijah, right under the nose of, a, of Baal. I'm going to take care of you. And the widow, he saw her when she got near the city. She was stumped over. She uh, was frail. She was thin. She was poorly dressed. She had a 
She's reaching down. She's gathering some sticks up. And Elijah goes up to her and he said, can you get me a drink of water? And the woman, very uh, honoring, turned and went to get him some water. And as she's turning, he said, by the way, when you're gone, get me a piece of bread as, to, as well. She turns around. He says, as surely as the Lord your God lives, I cannot do such a thing. I cannot do such a thing because I have just a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil, and I'm gathering these sticks so that I can make a fire and I can make one more piece of bread for me and my son, and then we're going to die. And Elijah says, you go and you make a piece of bread for me first. You bring it to me. And then go and make one for yourself and your son. And he said, the flour jar will not run dry. And the oil jar will not be diminished. And the principle of the story is so, so clear and it's so difficult that they had to, this widow, in order for her to survive, she had to give first before she survived. It's an interesting principle there. And uh, it's interesting to me that when Elijah goes to Sidon to Zarephath, he's going there and God's going to meet his needs. But God is not just concerned about Elijah. God's concerned about this widow as well. Whenever you hear a series and uh, sermons on a church about giving, it's just not about the church. It's not about the prophet. It's not about the church. It's about the church and the widow. God cares for God cares for you. God cares about your benefit. God cares about how you're going to prosper financially. So she, she makes that biscuit for Elijah. Now, I don't know how he could eat that in front of her. You got to think, that's bad, you know? Sit down there and he tucks in his big checker thing and he's putting some jelly on it and eating that. And that widow went to make heard her flour, took that little flour, there was some flour left, and she made some bread and put the oil on it. And then the next day there was more flour, and it wasn't just enough flour for her, there was enough flour for him, her boy, and for her, and it didn't run out. It kept being supplied. This is a miraculous story. Now, here's what I think is important about finances. We can work hard, we can get our degrees, we can make good investments, and we can do all that. All of that's good. But it's wonderful to have the miraculous at work in your finances as well. To have the miraculous at work in your business. To have God miraculously work in your resources. The Bible says that as she gave first, she gave first. I believe this. I've lived this since I was 14 years old, my first job at Hardy's. $16 or whatever I made, I was taught by my dad to give my, my grandchildren now, little Nora's daughter, my son Joel, has got three jars. She's got a jar for God, she's got a jar for savings, and she's got a jar for herself. And she puts 10% of everything she's got in her jar for God. And then she's got 10% she puts in her jar for savings. And then she, she's got the jar of what's left over. Now, we have to watch Nixon. He mixes the jars up a little bit, you know. He may be taking some things out of God's jar. We don't know. He's a wonderful little boy. But you know what? That principle, it's, it's, I've lived it. 
uh, when I came here, I didn't make any money, $150 a week, as I said, and we gave $15 to the church, and we lived in a trailer for five years, five years in the mobile home. Then the Lord gave us a house, and we just kept giving, kept giving. And when I was in Bible college, Karen was the only one who worked. I wasn't smart enough to work and go to school, so I was going to school full-time. She worked at a dental, uh, dental office. She was a dental assistant. And she made $110 a week, and we went to Liberty Church, Pensacola, Florida, big old church there. We put $11 in there every week, $11 in there every week. Car didn't break down. My college bill got paid somehow. I got through college, and now I live in a really nice house. I got a nice pickup truck. Karen's got a nice car. I've got a nice acre lot. And I'll tell you what, I never, this is no lie, I never worry about money. I don't worry about money. Now, I think you need to think about your money. But there's something about, I believe, the miraculous is at work in my finances. You never give what's left over hoping you'll have something to give. This is not the principle of the story. The principle of the story is you pay your bills. You are diligent. You, like, are faithful. Man, I, you know, whenever I, I do get, I get a bill, man, we, like, pay that bill. But our finances are set up so we make the biscuit for God first. Make the biscuit for God first. Thank you so much for joining us on the Bayshore Podcast. I want to encourage you to take this message you just received and allow it to go deep into your soul and let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thanks to everyone that gives generously to Bayshore. It's because of you that this ministry is possible, creating life change all over the world. You can be a part of spreading the message around the world by going to bayshore.online and clicking give. For all things Bayshore, visit bayshore.online to find out what your next step may be. You can subscribe right here and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.